Real quick, just want to let you guys know that we will have each segment of this podcast timestamped in the description of this episode. All right, let's get into the podcast. All right, guys, the Best Cap Secret Podcast is back. 9 to 5 Sports going to be giving you guys the Miami Dolphins in this one, kicking off the AFC East coverage. We're going to be bringing in Stephen Fulton for his second appearance on this podcast. Uh, he was on the Green Bay Packers podcast before. We break down the Miami Dolphins and give you guys some pretty interesting takes on the receivers Preston Williams and Devontae Parker. We also break down the recently traded for Matt Breida and recently signed Jordan Howard. Then we also give you guys our feelings towards the quarterback room with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua. All right, stay tuned. This should be a good one. Thanks. And Stephen Fulton for the second podcast. Uh, this time we're going to be talking about the Miami Dolphins, but we did talk about the Green Bay Packers quite a bit and kind of their draft needs. It might not have been shocking to us that they didn't draft a receiver and that they drafted a running back. What were your thoughts and takeaways from that draft? <laughs> I mean, it's been, you know it's it's the hot topic, right? I mean, the Jordan Love pick was interesting, and then you had all the backlash with Aaron Rodgers not being receptive to it initially, but. No, I mean, honestly, I think the Packers, the way that they're going with it is that they're establishing their future. You know what I mean? I think that that's where you need to build on yourself as a franchise. Yes, you want to, you know, back your individual players, but at the same time, too, if Van Rodgers isn't going to be receptive to that, then there's something you can do for him. But, no, I think the draft was okay, in all honesty. I mean, Jordan Love's a little bit inconsistent. You've seen that in college. He goes through weird mechanics sometimes and doesn't go all the way through his progressions, but – I mean, you work with them. I mean, the same thing as what Brett Favre with Aaron Rodgers is literally the same exact thing. Now, whether or not that's going to be the same chemistry, God only knows, but um, I think it was okay. But the A.J. Dillon pick, I, I, I don't know. I liked it. He's good, and we've seen every single time that basically what is the whole league changing to? They're going back, like, and I'll touch on this a little bit as we go further in, but I, everyone's going running back by committee now, so – I mean, you don't want to pay a running back. You can save the cap space and sign someone bigger. So I'm all about it. I thought the tight end pick was okay, but I mean, we're not, you know, you and I have the same kind of emphasis on that. You're not going to get a bunch of mm-hmm. uh, production in your first year out of your tight ends. But again, they're, they're establishing themselves. And I think that they'll still be a good competitive team. I don't think the draft is bad for them. A lot of people said it was terrible because of that first pick, but I don't know. I liked it. I don't. I think it gives opportunity. If not, then you're on to the next one. You know what I mean? So, I mean, even if the draft was quote unquote bad for the Packers, it shouldn't affect them as much this year as it will maybe next year or the year after that. But the interesting thing, kind of about the Packers draft, is it was kind of similar to kind of the Miami Dolphins draft. I really expected the Dolphins to take a rookie running back, and there was just a ton of depth there, and they kind of needed one and. What was it? The third day they ended up trading for Matt Breida. I'm like, okay, that kind of makes sense why they didn't like reach for a running back. And then also with the the Tua draft pick, they still have Matthew or not Matthew Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick there. Um, it's kind of curious to see if he is going to kind of quote unquote teach or you know Tua is going to learn from him, or it's just a matter of kind of what that situation is going to be. And we'll get into that a little bit later on here. Let's just do a quick overview of the Dolphins. They had five wins last year. They're projected to win six this year. Uh, I don't know if I really see that happening. Their uh, key additions were obviously Jordan Howard, Matt Breida, and then they got Preston Williams coming back as well. And then obviously the rookie quarterback, Tua. Kind of what's your kind of just overview thoughts on the Miami Dolphins? 
Uh, so it's, <laughs> it's going to be unpopular. Honestly, I think that they are a better than a six-win team this year. And I'm sure it's unpopular. I, I think that you got to look at what they did in free agency. That is where you're going to get the value out of their players. I mean, they signed Byron Jones. You have a second to Xavier Rhodes now. They signed two safeties. They went in and they got – they re-signed most of the linebacking core, which they – I mean, Jerome Baker and everyone, they're good. You know that um, Brian Flores is defense-centric. He always was with the uh, with the Patriots as well. I, I think that the draft was good as well. Again, another development for them. I think that, you know, we thought that they were going to go out and get that running back, but the trades that they put in for and who they signed with Jordan Howard and Matt Breida, um, I honestly think that they're going to be above the six wins that Vegas had, but at the same time, too, I think that they're – Eight, nine. I'm, I'm going aggressive with the Dolphins. I like them this year a lot. Okay, well, yeah, they definitely went out and got the guys that they wanted to. Would that? Would your thoughts on that change if you knew that Tua was going to be starting majority of the season or vice versa if Fitzpatrick was going to be starting majority of the season? Uh, I don't think Tua is going to start, but it doesn't mean that, again, it wasn't a bad option. I, I, I think Fitzpatrick is going to be the starter for the whole season if he plays well. Yeah, you know, it's the QB room is very interesting there. So they do kind of go four deep. Um, you got Fitzpatrick there. You got Tua, obviously. And then they got Josh Rosen, who, you know, he's not a horrible quarterback. And they got uh, Jake Rudock, who has always been like a preseason darling for me for preseason DFS. So <laughs> the, the quarterback room is going to be pretty interesting for me. And just on, on a side note, for people that do play preseason DFS, I do think Josh Rosen and Rudock could be interesting names to watch when that comes up. So maybe just remind myself when that comes up, I'll have to look for those guys, but you know, we kind of touched on it a little bit. It's just a matter of when or if tool is going to start this year. I do think personally, that's better for a quarterback to develop behind a veteran. Obviously if it's Patrick's a proven veteran, he's a smart guy. And I think Tua will be able to learn a lot from him. Um, you know, I really wouldn't be surprised though, if we get to the preseason, the final game and all right, it would be a little bit surprising, but I think either Josh Rosen has to go or Matt or Ryan Fitzpatrick has to go. I mean, they're gonna. It's just there's no way they're gonna let Fitzpatrick go because they just did the the extension on it for another year or two years. So, um, so it's gotta be Rosen, right? I, I think they trade him. God, Rosen has gotten thrust into so many bad situations in his career that it's been well, like he just gets destroyed. But um, I mean, they have four on the for preseason DFS. You know, they got four on the roster, so you know they're going to be competing for whoever gets that third spot. Mm -hmm. um, realistically, I think Rosen is on the hot seat, and you got to see whether or not he's either one going to get traded or two, maybe he's going to get cut. So, but yeah, see, my thing is that. Rosen, they would cut because I think Rudock they can keep on the practice squad. So it's just a weird, weird situation there. And the thing with Rosen too, you mentioned it. It's like the what eighth year in a row where he's had a different offensive coordinator. He hasn't had back-to-back -back years with the same offensive coordinator in college and now in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, there's no stability around the kid. So what do you want? What do you expect him to do? He's learning a new offense every single time, different playbooks. I mean, yeah, you can argue there hasn't been depth around him, but at the same time, too, it's not like you had a bad receiving core in Arizona. I mean, you had 
uh, Larry Fitz, and then you had um, the other kid that's on the outside who plays wide. I can't remember what his name is. But, um, and the same thing with the argumentatively with the Dolphins, you've had a decent receiving core. It's just that, again, it's it's every single time you change, if you change the structure of it, what do you expect him to do? It's going to take him. He's not a veteran. He hasn't seen multiple options or multiple offenses and been on multiple teams to know those schemes. So I don't know. We'll see. Or they retain him. They look at it and yeah. say, okay, now you two compete. Maybe this is our future. So a lot of questions on that. Regardless, he'll be able to develop another year and maybe a team will be able to get a quality quarterback in a year or two when he develops a little bit more. But who, in terms of fantasy, for the other players on in the offense, well, we'll do a two-tier question. If Fitzpatrick starts the most games or if Tua starts the most games, let's just say they start the whole season. One, the two starts the whole season. Which one would end up with the most fantasy points? So between Fitzpatrick and Tua? Mm-hmm. If they start the full year? Yep. Tua's not going to run. I mean, I don't know. He has the ability to run, but off the, after the hip surgeries, you don't know how much of that's going to be. And Tua's very good at running through every single progression, right? Or going through every single progression, pardon me. He, he gets to his fourth and fifth options, which is crazy to see out of a rookie quarterback. I think he was one of the few that actually came out this year that can do that, um, maybe besides Burrow. Um, but I would, realistically, I would say, I go with Fitzpatrick because I think that you're going to have a little bit more of the bot, like because Fitzpatrick knows what he is, right? Like there's no there's no risk associated with it, so he's going to have you know those options already. He has the rapport already. He was developing it with Preston Williams. He has it with Devontae Parker already. He was getting it at the end of the year with Gasecki a lot, which is where that's where you start to see him actually finally starting to shine. Um, I, I'm I'm on the Fitzpatrick train. I have been. I think that you continue to develop. You know that the abilities there, and then that would be my pick. I would pick uh, I would pick Fitzpatrick for sure. Yeah, I think I would go with Fitzpatrick as well. You look at his starts gained. You know the stat that I like to use: 15 or more fancy points in a week. He had uh, seven of those. But the interesting thing with that was all seven of those starts or starts gained were over 20 fancy points, which is really kind of shocking to me when I look back at it. He's a guy that can take advantage of a matchup, and sometimes it's a little bit random, but I do like Fitzpatrick. And then kind of just getting into it a little bit more for the rest of the team, which one do you think would be better? I think we would both say it would be Fitzpatrick because with the rookie it's a little bit inconsistent. Would you just agree with that? Yeah, and I think that you're gonna, you, you change – you model the offense differently based upon who's playing quarterback, right? Like you're not going to have the audible options on it. He's not going to see the coverages as well. And he's not going to see, you know, the rush as well that's coming at him. So if you, if you put two in there, you really do have to minimize your playbook, not because he doesn't know what he's doing, but more or less just because he's got to learn it and see, he's, he's a rookie. Like it doesn't matter who you thrust into that situation. You could have put Pat, Pat Mahomes into something like that, and it's going to take him time to develop. Even towards the end of the year, the first year that he was playing with the Chiefs, it was the same thing. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay. He's got an arm. He can ball. Like, he's okay. And then it was like, oh, okay, now you're starting to see his sophomore year that now he's actually playing well. Like, you see why they went after him. He's learned the playbook, and you go through that. Now am I saying, too, it's the same person as Mahomes? No. <laughs> but um, at the same time, too, it doesn't mean that you couldn't get there. The opportunity is there. It's just I think that, again, you would rather have someone who's veteran going into a situation where now you're starting to see – like you saw potential at the end of that year. The Dolphins had it. You, you saw that they were like, 
this team is swinging, and it's crazy. Like, I, I, I finally everything has come together. It's been what four years in the making, and it's finally all coming together. And Gase got the hell out. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's. I think it's good. Um, I think everyone flourishes if Fitzpatrick starts. I, I have more options. I agree there, especially the receiver position. We'll get into the receivers a little bit later on. One last question with the quarterbacks here. So I'll ask it to myself, and I'll answer it, and then I'll have you answer it. So which one of the two quarterbacks, Fitzpatrick or Tua, uh, would we take in best balls if we had to? So this is pretty interesting because obviously Fitzpatrick is going as a starting quarterback in like best ball drafts and whatnot. Tua is going a little bit later, and I just worry about the upside with Tua. You know, for me, if I had to, it would be Fitzpatrick once again, um, especially with that seven starts game that I touched on. All those starts game that he had were over 20 fantasy points, so there's going to be weeks where he can definitely go out and, you know, kind of win you and be usable, and especially in terms of a best ball. And he's a guy that's going pretty late in best ball drafts compared to the rest of the quarterbacks just because, you know, he doesn't have the name value. or the, He's an old, old name, and people don't like to kind of hype up those old names. What are your thoughts on that? Which one would you take? in a best ball if you had to. The risk you run with Fitzpatrick is he gets benched, right? That's that's what you're concerned about out of the best ball situation. I, I would still take him that deck because, you know, he's coming in as a presumptively the start, unless something catastrophic happens. You know he's coming in, and you know that that rapport has developed with not necessarily the offense coordinator, but with your head coach, with Brian Flores. They're going to play together. And then, again, the same thing that I hit on before, this offensive coordinator, Gailey, coming in with Fitzpatrick, they played together. So that that is who I would take 100% over to. It doesn't mean that you can't get – and you can get him late. That's the best part about it. You can get him super late and be fine with it. Yeah, yep. and you, you mentioned it. It is a little bit of a risk because if he does get benched, then that's just going to be freaking zero for the rest of the year. But that's just kind of the risk you take with one of those quarterbacks. But he definitely does have upside. So I agree there. Let's get into the running backs. So we got Matt Breida and Jordan Howard. I don't think anyone else in that running back group is really going to be a true factor. Um, we'll just touch on them, their stats from last year. Matt Breida gained three starts on the year. Jordan Howard only four. Uh, Matt Breida is going as running back 36, and Jordan Howard's going as running back 51. So the interesting stat with the Dolphins running backs was that they only had five weeks total where a Miami Dolphins running back gained a start. You know, that's 10 or more points in a half-point PPR league, and that's just absolutely horrible. I still don't really think this running back group is that good as a whole, but it's definitely better than last year. Um, my question would be, do you feel comfortable taking either Jordan Howard or Matt Breida in either a season-long league or best ball league? And if so, which one? Even in the free agency, they went out and only signed Eric Flowers. So, you, I mean, yeah, you get a veteran guard we know is going to be good, but realistically, you're not accounting for anything else on that line. And do I think that that impacts both Rita and Howard? Yeah. I mean, the offense that's going to be ran, I'm assuming, is probably going to be similar where it's going to be up the middle runs. I mean, but you have, you know what Rita can do, the same thing that you have with Rita is his injury proneness. I mean, but you don't have the revolving door like you did with the 49ers. Um, and then Howard just had his issues last year with the Bears having an identity crisis that they couldn't figure out who they wanted to be. So 
Um, if it was me, I would probably take. I would probably take Manfreda. I mean, I'm not happy about either of them, but the only reason that I would take Matt Breida is because you know that it's going to be a running back by committee, and you're just praying like he doesn't get hurt because on certain runs, uh, the kid's fast, and you see, like, he, he has good vision. You know he can get out. It's just if he gets hit, he's going down, and he doesn't have a lot after contact. And then as well, again, it's just he gets wrapped up, his ankle gets hurt, and he's done for a game. So um similar risk with Fitzpatrick not necessarily with the injury but with the getting zero points they're just eating up a roster spot for best ball so yeah yeah you know the the thing with Matt Breed is definitely his health you know I think when he was healthy he was probably the best back in San Francisco kind of the last two years you know if he can stay on the field for the whole season I have no problem saying that he's going to be a top 20 running back and that might be kind of a hot take given his ADP right now um but then the other side of it too is if he does get injured (laughs) Jordan Howard, I think, would be a top 20 running back just because they don't have anyone else behind them. You know, it kind of goes hand in hand. And I think kind of both of them are going to get around 12 to 15 touches. I think Howard will be the goal line back, and Matt Breida will kind of be the all-purpose back. That's just kind of my thoughts on it. Um, It's just the injuries are what's concerning with the Dolphins. I mean, you look at Tua, he's been banged up. You look at Matt Breida, he's always kind of been banged up. And then you look at, we'll get into the receivers here. You got Devontae Parker. He's always been banged up. And for me with Devontae Parker, it's never been a talent thing. It's always been about the injuries. And this is kind of, I kind of picked on fantasy experts a little bit in the Detroit Lions podcast where I was saying they kind of just bail on players a lot of the times because they get injured. For the last three to four years, we've been hearing how talented Devontae Parker is. And then last year, they kind of just all bailed on him, and I didn't get that. I'm like, he's always been talented. That's never left. It's always been about injuries with him. And then we saw it last year. He finished as receiver number seven because he played a whole season. He had 10 starts gained on the year, which is right up there with Kenny Galladay. You know, I really like Devontae Parker this year, and he's still going pretty late. Receiver 34. My question to you would be, why is he going that late? Is it the injury concerns or is it the QB concerns? I just I don't really get that. I, I picked him up for free at the end of the season, so it was – I mean, he rode Devontae Parker to the playoffs. That's, that's how I got in, right? So it's just, I honestly, I think it's a lot of it is, like you said, primarily it's going to be the injury concern. And I think a lot of it is the neurosidedness on the team overall. I mean, I don't, out of anyone that you're going to be looking at on the Dolphins, I mean, there's no one that's recognizable besides, I guess, now Devontae Parker because he blew up. But you go before, what was it, like week 10 or week 11? No, I think it was before that. It was like week 9 or week 10 that before he started popping off. I don't think that you would have anyone on your roster. Patrick Lillard or whoever, so, running back, but that's about it. Parker had kind of a slow start, but he was still getting the targets and whatnot. He was having decent performances, but a lot of people are doubting it just because of – They've seen that trick before, essentially. And then our boy Preston Williams got injured, who also he averaged 7.5 targets per game, and his lowest target amount was five in week one. I'm sure he's a little bit inconsistent, but he's very talented. He's almost as talented as Devontae Parker. Um, we, we definitely saw Parker produce with the other receivers getting injured, whether it was Albert Wilson, Trakeem Grant, Alan Hearns kind of stepped in a little bit later on in the season. 
Uh, I guess let's segue into Preston Williams. What are your thoughts on Preston Williams, the receiver that got the rookie receiver last year that got injured midway through the season? I mean, I think he's, I mean, he's a big bodied wide receiver. He's a perfect complement to Devontae Parker. Another similar situation you have with this team is that you have argumentatively a little bit of depth with their receiving core. And obviously they're not necessarily big named receivers, but at the same time too, you have the opportunity that both of them are going to be sitting there mostly with single coverage unless for some reason they're going to pull a safety on someone. But I think I think Preston Williams is, if out of the two, if I was going to go with Devontae Parker or Preston Williams, honestly, I would probably take Preston Williams is coming off of the ACL injury, which you have to be concerned about with. But um, I think it's, again, a, a very, very good, it'll be a very good season for him if he has, you know, no injury proneness and a little bit more consistency and a little bit more trust with Fitzpatrick. You still had the carousel going around at this time. You got to remember of starting different quarterbacks consistently. Mm-hmm. And you still had the, the, <laughs> the issue with them just getting absolutely destroyed in these games. And he didn't know whether or not, I mean, they were getting 30, 40 put up against them and he didn't know whether or not, okay, are they just even are they conceding and just trying to run off the clock? Like what's going on? Um, so again, with a little bit more depth, a little bit more Venred, you know, influence on that team, I think that both of them are going to go up. I would prefer probably to take Preston Williams because you can get them for lower and cheaper just because of the injury with the ACL. Preston Williams is currently going as receiver 57, which is, you know, Devontae Barger is going as receiver 34. So they're both going really late, but you're right. Preston Williams ADP is just way too low for what he could do. I mean, that's, I mean, that's where he's getting drafted at his lowest outcome, I think. I think his highest outcome is going to be like a top 20 receiver. And I just don't see him, if he plays a full season, being lower than receiver like 40 or 35. I don't know. That's just me. Um, kind of my last take on this is that I think we almost, if we draft Devontae Parker, it's kind of weird, but with his injury history, I wouldn't mind handcuffing. Parker with Preston Williams is that just a dumb take or what do you think about that um no I mean I think it's I don't think it's dumb by any means I think it's you gotta you gotta god the, the biggest thing that destroys you if you're playing season long it, that destroys you with wide receivers is the we don't get to start out of them right so if you don't get at least those 10 points and you get you get five consistently, and then you have the anomaly where they get you know twenty five or whatever. That's the risk that you run with both of these receivers. I mean, that's just until you start seeing more consistent play out of them. That's what that's what the issue is, right? So, um, realistically, I don't know. I mean, do I feel confident in taking both of them and handcuffing it? <laughs> it's hard because you want to make sure that you're not. It hinders your roster. Yeah. Well, right. So yep. like you don't want to keep going against rough defenses week in and week out and run into a buy issue as well. But um, I mean, I you know there's honestly I, I I hope this doesn't happen, but you feel that one of them is going to get hurt at some point, right? So mm-hmm. I don't think it's a bad take. I, it's just you know that you're taking that risk. It's like it's like trying to go with a handcuff for a running back too. And then you're like they're splitting carries what do I do? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, it's a bad defense. I'm going to start both of them. Like, that's just what you run with it, you know? It's, so. it's always tough to start two players at the same position on the same team. You are definitely right there. And if you carry both of them, it's going to hinder your roster. So maybe just take Preston Williams at the late ADP. And if Parker's there for you, 
maybe not reach for him, but definitely be happy if he lands with you. I think that is that a good consensus there? Yeah, I wouldn't reach. Don't overdraft. Don't overdraft Parker. If he's falling, let him fall. And then if it comes to you and you're getting him around sixty, it's like okay. Either, and weigh your options too. It depends on every single draft. Yeah. Any type of draft that you're going with, that always depends on who's around at the same time, too. But I would go below the ADP on Parker, and I would go at the ADP on Williams if you can. And I think you get a value pick on it. I gotcha. I'm a, I guess I'm slightly different than that. I think Parker's ADP is just a little bit too low. I think he's. I think both him and Preston Williams are being drafted at like the worst outcome right now. So I, not, it's not like I want to reach for either. It's not like I want to reach for Parker, but I, I it's think. Because of the variability, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. You, don't, you don't know how the team's going to function. It's, it's, it's the same problem that the Dolphins have been consistent with. It's that we got a new offensive coordinator. We got a new head coach. We have a whole new roster. It's like <laughs> this team has never played together for more than a year. Like, what do you expect them to do? Yeah. So, and, um, that's the risk that you run with it, and that's why I I'm shying away from it. But at the same time, too, again, Parker carried me to the playoffs. So. Yeah, it's it seems yeah. like high risk, or no, it seems like low risk, high reward with both of them for me right now, because he's being drafted as like a receiver three, you know, for Parker. And he could and he's droppable. Like, yeah, <laughs> if he doesn't produce, if nothing comes out of it at all. Yep, yep. Parker's a little bit, but I mean, even Parker's droppable too, and the only reason he's good, like. I know, like you said, you, you're higher on him, but the only reason that it's that high again is because of the end of that year. So, either way, it's you just got to wait and see. And I, you could be aggressive on drafting them, and it could pay out. But like you said, it's I think it's a low risk, high reward. But you know, again, you gotta you gotta figure out what you want to do. Yeah, it's eating up the roster spots. It depends on your league too. Yep, yep. I guess my last question on these two, and then I'll touch on a few of the other receivers here. Sprinkle them in. Is there a scenario where they're Chris Godwin and Mike Evans? Is that possible? They're kind of the similar style receivers. I mean, I, I mean, you know my take on this. I, I do think that they're one of the best receiving cores in there. But I think that you had a a very unique situation happen in Tampa Bay where they were just turning over the ball nonstop, and they were just airing it out. And letting like it's not even like garbage time points because it's in like the second and they're down by like 20 so they just got to air it out you know what i mean and like now they're making the catches i was the biggest critic of godwin micro and say that yes he had a very good year last year right so um i i would i make it comparable to it if you want to like it's like your budget version i guess if you want to you know what i mean like that's yeah. like your you know whatever type of like, you know, the store brand, you could call it that, but um, it, it just depends. Again, it depends on, it's a little bit, I mean, you even had the injury issues, I guess, with both of them too, with uh, Mike Evans and Godwin too. So <laughs> yeah, it's weird, but it kind of is, it kind of is like a budget version of them. So um, yeah, that, that kind of came to me while we were so, talking about it. You have a better defense though. I, honestly, God, I feel that, the Dolphins have a better defense going in this year than the the Bucks did last year, so that may change how they scheme and they may run more. But again, they didn't make any additions that I thought would make their. I mean, yeah, you have two notable running backs, but I mean, it doesn't matter if they can't do anything with it, right? It doesn't matter if the there's there's no holes. So either way, we'll yeah. see. I do want to touch on the other few receivers because I think they're kind of deep at receiver. I kind of like this 
the Dolphins receiving core. They got, obviously, Preston Williams, Devontae Parker. We already touched on those two. But they got Albert Wilson, who I like quite a bit. He's very talented. He's a great receiver three. They got Jakeen Grant, who, I mean, he's not Tyreek Hill, but he's the poor man's version of it or the, the value brand <laughs> version of it. And then they still have other guys there. Alan, I, I believe Alan Hearns is still there. I'm not sure how much of a factor he'll be for fantasy, but you know, they're pretty deep at receivers. So I kind of like him. I do think if Tua is named the quarterback, I think Wilson and Grant could have some value maybe in best balls or maybe just in DFS a little bit when the value's right. So I, d- I did want to mention those two kind of in passing there. I don't think we have to touch on them too much. Um, the only way that any of those guys are going to hold value is if both Preston Williams and Parker are, are going to get injured. And I think I'd want to go with Albert Wilson f- for that spot, but that's the only way. Sure. Yeah. Kim Grant kind of reminds me of like a Tajay Sharp situation on Tennessee where it was just like, dude, this guy's got 32 points in this game. What is going on? And then it's like, and he hasn't done anything for four weeks. You know? So it's just, again, it's uh, It's a game plan. You have, yeah, it's very, it's very, it's going to depend on what's going on in the game. Um, but again, like you said, with the, with the, I mean, and again, they're droppable too. So, you know, you have players that can just go through and like, you never know when a report can develop with anybody. It doesn't matter who it is. So you start to see that even a little bit with Alan Hearns, um, start to get a little bit more of the ball from Patrick when he was playing in the slot a little bit more. But um, yeah, I mean, I think you do have a good receiving core. I think you have a lot of, mid-tier, like out of the spectrum of the old NFL, you have a lot of good mid-tier receivers that could get the job done as long as they can get off the line. Yeah, yeah. So if, if the opportunity presents itself with those last three where we have to pick them up for waiver wires, they could, we could use them in a pinch. I think that's kind of what we're saying there. Let's let's get into the tight end. We got Mike Gusecki. So I don't really like him as a tight end sleeper this year. I've seen a lot of people trying to hype him up. He did finish almost as a top 10 tight end last year in a half-point PPR league. What are your thoughts on Mike Gusecki this year? Because I really don't have any. Uh, I mean, I think that I think that Gusecki, you started to see him flourish a little bit more. In Penn State, he was a really good in-line blocker. And then he also, I mean, he could catch. It wasn't that, like, he's not an Iowa product by any means. But I think that he's um, – he's got the talent and he's got the size that's available to him. It just took time to develop. Right. So I don't, again, it depends on how they, honestly to God, it depends on how, what offenses they're going to be running. Like, are they, are they going to use Albert Wilson more or uh, Alan Hearns as those, you know, skinny routes that are going to be, okay, well, no, we want to have a drag across and that's who I want to give it to. If I want to give it to, Albert Wilson, he just goes down and we get our five yards. You know what I mean? Or do you want to have more bigger bodied receivers going up and contesting it against single coverage? Um, I think that because of like we were talking about with the depth that you have a wide receiver, that's what's going to hurt Gusecki more than anything else. Um, do I like him as a player? I think he's got everything in the intangibles are there. He can catch the ball. That's not the issue with it. It's just that, again, you have everybody cannibalizing on that offense. So um, and is he going to stand out over someone like Albert Wilson or Alan Hearns or even Jakeem Grant going, you know, streaking? Like, there's no, I don't know who, who is going to, you have so many people that you could go to. And you have, you know, Fitzpatrick and if Tua does start, they're not going to have a favorite initially. I mean, maybe it would be Devontae Parker as the initial favorite, but I, I just don't see 
because everyone's clamoring for tight ends. That's that's the hardest part. If you have you have three tight ends or two, I guess Ertz kind of even fell off a little bit. You have two tight ends that are like argumentatively, here's who I can take and not have an issue with it. After that, it's like, oh, this guy worked this week, so okay, that's great. I mean, it's like a Waller situation. Maybe he'll stand out. I don't know. You you just don't know. Yeah, personally, I just don't see him as a sleeper tight end for fantasy. But you did mention it. I I like him a lot as just like a football tight end, but not a fantasy football tight end. I don't really think he's a sleeper. And I do I do need to mention. You said Iowa tight ends don't really catch. I really kind of like Noah Fant this year, and I'll touch on that a little bit more in the Broncos podcast when that comes up. But just want to mention that in passing. I kind of kind of like Fant this year. So, <laughs> yeah, but the thing with Gasecki for me, I guess, is that, like I said, I think he's a good, solid NFL tight end. You mentioned it. They got a lot of passing targets in that offense. Um, I do think he'll have a couple of random big weeks. I'm just a little bit worried about how consistent of a fantasy producer he's going to be. And, you know, he's currently going as tight end 10 or tight end 15. Now he could finish as like a top 10 tight end. I could see that happening, but I don't think he's going to be one of those guys that's going to finish as a top five tight end. I don't like the upside with him where if I'm drafting, I want to draft someone a little bit later that actually has a little bit more upside as well. I just do not currently see the path to him being like an elite tight end that we are happy to start every week. I think it's going to be a headache each and every week. And I just, for me personally, with my fantasy football roster, I like to eliminate as many headaches as I can, which I guess goes a little bit beyond or past my take with the Preston Williams, Devontae Parker handcuff thing. Um, But majority of the time I want to eliminate the headaches to help make my starts on my roster easy each week. And, you know, it's by doing that strategy, you're making it easier to figure out what you need to improve on with your roster each and every week, waiver Mario moves that you need to make and trades that you need to make. And I think Gasecki is just going to be a guy where if you leave him on your roster for too long, it's just going to eat away at your roster because you're not going to pick up players that you could have off the waiver wire. And, you know, I would have more confidence in Gasecki if I knew that it was going to be the same offense that was going to be ran again, going in this year, and I would say, okay, they're going to start, you know, they're going to start eyeballing him, and he's going to get more downs played. It's not going to be, you know, because he can, he can play, like, he can play both blocking and receiving. So, like you said, he's a good overall football tight end. The fantasy relevance, I think, is going to be difficult to accrue if, it, 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 I mean, again, like I said, it just depends on who they're going to have running over the middle or or if he's going to be running corners down the, I don't know. It's just, for me right now, you know, there's too much variability for me to warrant having him as, like, tight end 15. Like, I'd rather go with an offense. And I think this is what you have to analyze if you're going to be looking at tight ends. You have to look at what type of offense that they're running. If you know that the tight end is going to be in plays, regardless, as a receiver, or even if he's going to be if he's going to be lined up inside and still go out for receiving routes, that's the tight end that you want to draft. And, and again, with not knowing that going into this year, I, I would shy away. I don't think it warrants a pick. That's that's my that's my take on it. Yep. And the thing with tight ends too is when the matchup's right, we can typically pick one off the waiver wire where you know <laughs> the opposing defense like thirty second against tight ends, and then sure if Kaseki's on the waiver wire, by all means pick him up. I think. That's where I would be fine using them. And you did bring up a good point as well. It's uh, We do need to monitor this team in the preseason, watch them, see what the offense is going to be like. Because, sure, if it seems like Kaseki is going to be used quite a bit in the offense, 
then he does become a value draft pick. But right now, I just don't see that. And I think you kind of agreed with that. Okay. So let's just kind of cap this podcast off. Do you have any closing thoughts on the Dolphins, or have you had any new thoughts, just fantasy football wise, with a maybe a sleeper of yours that you like? No, I think I think the Preston Williams pick would be the one that you're going to have the highest reward out of it if he remains consistent and doesn't get hurt. I mean, again, you're running the risk with the the ACL injury, like I mentioned before. But I, he is my t- again. My take is that they get, they're going to win eight, nine, ten games. I I honestly believe that that team has defensively because like, they, they've locked it their defense wasn't bad in general like obviously they were getting ran up on in the beginning part of it they were getting no offensive production because they didn't know what they wanted to do um they didn't know who they wanted to start they didn't have like there's just something that was not clicking in the beginning of that year when they were just getting ran up on but i really do believe that you are going to get from the wide receiving core now the I think with Devontae Parker and with Preston Williams, if you can get them to fall late for you, you are going to get value picks out of it. Now you're being a little bit more aggressive with them. Like I, I think that makes sense if you that's if you like them and if that's who you want to get out of those positions and if you want to handcuff them, you can do that. But um, if they fall, do not over like if they fall beneath their ADP for me, I would instantly be going and grabbing them. If I had, if I know that I desperately need a wide receiver, if I desperately need, you know, even like a waiver tight end with Kiseki, and then you start seeing in the preseason that oh he's getting used, then I would snag him. That 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 is the only way that I would take it. I think that they're a good team overall, fantasy relevance. I think it's it's hard to be, you know, I think it's hard to be confident in any of them until you start seeing more in preseason. So that's me. So I do need to mention this because I just thought about it. The ADPs for a lot of the receivers this year are just super low. And there's a ton of veteran running backs that are going really late as well. So, you know, I think a lot of this year, kind of like last year, will come down to just draft strategy and a little bit, again, lucky with injuries. Because I think this year will be kind of – I don't think it will be as easy as last year to have a solid draft. But I think it's going to be a little bit easier to have a solid draft this year where – when you can get a Preston Williams or a Devontae Parker later on in the draft, that can really cap off your draft, especially if you get them at their ADP like you just stated. So I agree with that. I do have a question. Now, I don't like to make bets with friends. You know that. So I, I, we'll figure something out here. But I think that the Miami Dolphins will not hit six wins. And I think you think that they're going to make – you know, eight wins. I think it was what you echoed quite a bit. And I'll give you seven wins. How about? I, I, we got to come up with some sort of bet there. I don't know what it is, but maybe we swap third-round picks or something. I don't know. We'll have to think of something. You, you good with that? We'll come up with something on the next podcast for this one? Yeah, no, I, again, I am – I wouldn't be – and maybe it's biased from last year. Maybe it's biased from having – Dante Parker last year and just being like, look, it finally happened and look at how good it is. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know what it is, but I, I, for whatever reason, when I, when I see it as a complete run, it's like, God, it's like the argument that Dallas had where it's like, on paper, they're a great football team. Why are they losing games? Like, it's the same argument that you're going to have with them because on the, like you look at their secondary, you have Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. And it's like, um, 
Is it Xavier Howard, right? Not Red Zone, Minnesota. Um, <laughs> yep. Is it right? That's what, am I mixing the two up? No, you got it right. You got it right. Yep. Um, I think you have – it was an okay secondary. It wasn't great. And then you have the two additions for that. Or you have Byron Jones coming over, and then you have the same linebacking core, which really wasn't the issue. Um, uh, and, again, you have Manuel Agua going over there, too. That defense, I think, is what's going to make or break this team. If they can hold everybody under 21, they will get – or if they can hold everyone under, like, 28, I'll say that, they'll get to 8-8. I truly believe that they will be able to do that. So, I don't know. We'll make a bet. I'll take a, I'll take a bet. Sure. All right, nice. This, this is the team that I'm high on. It's like everyone being high on the Bucks. I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm going with the Dolphins this year, and then – you know, I already told you about how the Jags are the worst rated. <laughs> That's so bad, dude. That's I'm, so bad. I'm excited for that one. Now. There's no way. <laughs> I'm excited for the Jags so. podcast. All right, so I'm going to be writing that one down. I think it'll just be fun to have like a little tally at the end of the year to see which person got which segments right. But I do have a question. How much of this comes down to the division being a little bit weaker on paper this year with the Bills, Pats, and Jets? Yeah, I mean, it's like – the team, the, every the whole division is just going to beat up on each other. Like I don't, you have a lot of as dumb as it sounds, the 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 Dolphins got a little bit older when it comes to the, like their average age, right? Like so you have more not veteran, but more you know individual players that are in you know mid tier through their career that understand how to play and like they're not going to be subject to something that's completely like brand new to them and unseen and the speed of the game is too fast. Like, you know, all those cliches that everybody says. Um, but I think that you run into the same issue with everybody that's over there. Like you, that whole division, it's just like, <laughs> like what is going on? Like, I don't, I don't know anybody who's recognizable now that everyone's been shifted around after this off season. That's like, okay, well, who could, who do we believe that's going to be decent in the AFC? So it's like, I don't know. Um, I think that the schedule will be easier for them. Now you don't, but they always they always beat the Patriots. So it's like, what? like why are you losing to the Jets? Like what is going on? It's so crazy. So I don't. I think that it's yeah. going to be a. Uh, it'll be interesting to see them. Do I think that they could top out the conference? I mean, who they have to beat the Patriots? Like okay, like I I think that they could do it. Honestly, I think that they could do it. You know, you you have talked me into it a little bit. I'm gonna stay true to the bet, but I do. You know, the fans are one of my favorite teams to root for. I like the pieces that they have in place there. Um, yeah, you know, the only I think the Bills are gonna be fine. I think the Pats are gonna be better than people expected. It's just a matter of how good are the Jets gonna be, and can the Jets steal a win from the Finns? So, I like that. We'll wrap this podcast up. Uh, I want to thank Fulton for being on once again. We'll have him give you guys his uh, Twitter handle uh, right now. Uh, at Stephen Fulton 7. So, right. should be in there. And then, um, no, I appreciate you having me. You know, I'm, I'm always excited to do this stuff. Anything from Florida base, I'll go ahead and run that over with you. And then, uh, like I said, we can reconvene <laughs> on our bet. Maybe we'll swap picks or something like that. That'd be fun. The whole, but then our whole league will freak out and be like, what are you doing? So, you know, we'll figure it out. But no, I appreciate you having me on. All right, hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Just want to give a thanks to Fulton once again for being on the podcast. In the next podcast, we're going to be touching on 
the Buffalo Bills. Then we'll have the Pats and Jets next week. So should be a pretty nice segment for the AFC East. If you guys enjoyed the podcast, uh, leave a like, leave a review. Five stars is always appreciated. All right, thanks, guys. Catch you on the next one.